Hello and welcome to episode 291 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm pretty good, Andrew, but that dryer in the background is bloody annoying. It's bloody loud, isn't it? It's so annoying. I don't think that our listeners should have to put up with it. No, they, they shouldn't. But, you know, fuck it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a small window of time here when I can be on doing the podcast. Yep. It ranges from between 9pm 9 9 mm-hmm. and 3am. It's a very mm-hmm. small window. Yeah. And I decided to wash my clothes in that exactly the same period. Well, you know, you've got to do it someday. I, I need mean. people to know that I can occasionally multitask. Yeah. And multitasking is important if you're going to shave your balls. Exactly. And if you're going to shave your balls, you've got to have the right tool for it. You know, and so if you go to manscaped.com and you put in our exclusive code, which is NRL, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. That's amazing. That's a really amazing deal. Now, if you're using the lawnmower 3.0, it's waterproof. It's got a rechargeable base. It's got a light on it. It's got ceramic blades. It's got a guard. So there's not going to be any nips or anything. Okay. You're going to be able to shave your balls in the most, like, amazing way, okay? Trust me. I am a customer myself. I'm telling you, you need to get the Lawnmower 3.0. And if you decide to get the whole package, get the perfect package. It's got everything you'll ever need to keep your genitals great. And that's all we want out of life is for our genitals to look great. So go to manscaped.com, put in the code NRL. That's our exclusive code for you. And do yourself a favor, 20% off and free shipping. Yeah. Man, that was a smoother segue than my balls are. Exactly. <laughs> We're getting good at these ads, aren't we? Oh, we are, we are. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, now, we'll get into some news today. There's been a bit of news going around. Just a bit. Do we want to do news first, or should we do some emails first? Do the news first, because we've, okay. we've got an email from a long-time listener, first-time caller. So, But we'll do that when we've done the news. Okay. Um, first bit of news here. Um, Broncos pop Matt Lodge don't care. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Okay. Um, James Hood Ornaments put out an article today. We're just discussing oh, really? off-air. Off Yes. Um, I'll just read out the uh, the heading for you. Mm-hmm. Stunning Aboriginal find beneath West Tiger's $75 million headquarters, ampersand, NBSP, semicolon. Well, the end, the end was always good. You know that <laughs> that ending just gives me like a thousand terrible flashbacks of articles that I've had to go through and edit every single word of on my website. See, this is the difference. Mm. between being a proper journalist and being a blogger. Yeah, yeah. Is that a journalist doesn't give a fuck about that. Yeah, exactly. That's some other bastard's job. Yeah, it's one of the plebs, one of the lower downs on the food chain. That's right. Now, I think I think there's a, a little tiny bit of condescending coming here from James Hooper. I could be wrong. Okay. Just my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I was just reading the opening sentence here. It says, work has been delayed on part of the $75 million 
the redevelopment of Concord Oval, where West Tiger Centre of Excellence would be based after an Aboriginal artefact the size of a thumbnail was discovered. And I mm-hmm. think the fact that he focused on how tiny it was, mm. to me, says it's a little bit condescending. Okay. But he never says anything else about the size of it or what it actually is after that. He's He doesn't go near it. So maybe it's just me being... I, I want to know what it is. Maybe it was a thumbnail. I was going to say, imagine if it was a thumbnail. That would no. be interesting. Yeah. I'm actually more interested in what the Aboriginal artifact was. And I do generally don't give a shit about the redevelopment of Concord Oval. I've got to say, the fact that they're spending $75 million on fucking Concord Oval is outrageous. Yeah. Why haven't they? As we've said before, they should be stationed out at bloody Liverpool or something like that. Yeah. But what do you, like, $75 million? What are they building? Well, as we've seen with the uh, the upgrades they did to Campbelltown, that's probably about an extra 17 seats out the back somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> maybe hey, like maybe it's... some new urinal cakes in the toilet. Well, seriously, if they're putting seventy-five million bucks into Concord Oval, should, that should be enough to be able to play out the bloody thing. Well, I mean, it's, it'd be easier to park at than I can't. It would be actually. It would be. I, yeah, it's um, it, that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. They're spending that much money, but they've had to stop because I really want to know what this uh, this artifact is. Yeah. He's actually got a very important part of the entire story here, and he fails to go on about it. Yeah, that that's uh, that's, that's what you get out of bloggers. Yeah, that's what they do. Um, there was one other story I didn't mention with you before that I saw the other day, which was the um, actual president of Papua New Guinea is confident that the their country will own an NRL side soon. Look, I've seen a little bit of talk about this, and I guess if I'm the NRL and I know I'm bringing in a Brisbane team, I I kind of also know that if I I can bring in a PNG side, like, I mean, they could bring in the the PNG Hunters tomorrow if they really wanted. It all works. They know that it all works. The player base is there. Um so it like it's just a matter of saying you've got a license. Um we've got an email about that actually. We should probably go to that email now if we're going to talk about this. It's from Ed and Ed's a long-time uh follower of mine. He has been following me since the old days of me being on playtheball.com which I don't even think exists anymore. Was that used- Was that before you were being an online pest or after? <laughs> Was there any other type? I used to be, I remember when I first got the internet and I used to go into, there was like a New York based chat room and I would just be myself in there. It was fun. Anyway, um, he he has been a follower since uh, I was on playtheball.com, which had a real basic forum. And that's the first time I started really interacting with Poms online. We all know how that went. Um, it continues to go. Yes, yes. It's uh, it, it's a quite a long email, and he makes some really good points. But we're going to read out the positives and negatives that he sees in terms of um, having a team, an NRL-based team in PNG. So I think we'll do that. How about that? Sounds good. 
Okay, so his first positive is this 8.75 million league-obsessed peop- league ex- people. Uh, a large stack of these would be glued to the game every week, along with N- other NRL games. Extra eyeballs equals extra money for the NRL, even if, P- even if PNG eyeballs. Um, PNG eyeballs are the same as everyone else's eyeballs, I guess, eh? I'd have thought so, yes. Yeah. I'm trying to think if anyone's eyeballs are different. I wouldn't think so. Nah, nah. Um, huge junior base in the waiting. So, yeah. that I mean, they we've seen them produce great players. Um, easily funded through mining companies who aren't going broke anytime soon, along with uh, staples such as tourism and S&P Lager. Have you ever had S&P Lager or SP Lager? No, I, I don't drink. No. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it strengthens the international game. Now, he says the negatives. Possible corruption. Realistically, I believe this can be stamped out. Uh, international travel time. Sydney to, uh, to Port Moresby, seven hours, which isn't too bad. Like, it's a while, but it's not too bad. Uh, the temperature well, and humidity. Think- Think that on that, the thing that's um, important about that is that you're not travelling uh, against time or, or with time anywhere. You're sort of just going straight north. Yeah, yeah. So, so time would be going normally, wouldn't it? Y- yeah, I don't know what time zone Port Moresby's on exactly, but it's got to be close. It's got to be within an hour or two. I, and I'd like, have thought it'd be pretty similar to Sydney. Yeah, and the other thing is too, like we deal with the the time difference between Queensland. And New South Wales, which is about forty-five years. So, oh, Port, um, Port Moresby's an hour behind Sydney. Oh, there we go. So that's yeah. fine. That's fine. Um, temperature and humidity, which you know that is something to handle. But we've seen that can be handled. Um, we've got that Cowboys. You know they they do it all right. And he says currently only have the depth players to fill a few spots in an NRL squad. Majority of the team would be from outside of PNG. Ideally, you'd want to have as many PNG players as possible on the team, but I don't think that's viable at the moment. The key players would be from outside PNG, but I do believe there would be room for seven to eight ish local players in the NRL squad. This would rapidly change in five ish years, I believe. So. I- I think it's. I don't know. I reckon you could probably have an almost, almost exclusively full Papua New Guinea inside, and I don't think they would do badly. You'd, I'd give them two years mm. to get used to regular NRL level footy, mm-hmm. and they would get out of the bottom half of the ladder and be pushing towards, you know, that middle of the ladder, West Tigers night sort of place on a regular yeah. basis, sort of thing. Um, They've got a few fairly decent players. They'd only need probably just a handful of playmakers around a bunch of Papua New Guinea and absolute machines in the backs and the forwards. Yeah, so I would think that maybe uh, my guess, and like I haven't seen much, if any, of them play in the Queensland Cup, and they've done pretty good in the Queensland Cup. Like they went into it and, you know, they, they didn't struggle or anything at all. They just, you know, got on with it. Um my guess is they would want a bit more size up front in the NRL. Um, but the, but that's about it. Like, I agree with you. They'd probably want, uh, like, someone like a Benji Marshall would be really good for them in the halves, just someone really experienced to guide them around the field. 
but I can't imagine they would want for too much else. No, and the good thing is because they are so passionate about the game, the fans generally wouldn't care if they won or lost that often. Like obviously yep. they, they want to see them win, mm-hmm. but seeing their team playing on the biggest stage of all, which is in the NRL, mm-hmm. they go fucking nuts for it. They'd love it. Yeah, and no, I like I man, I would really like to see the Hunters play a preseason game against an NRL team just to see how they go. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it, it would be interesting to see what the result of that was. And just the different dynamics between a Queensland Cup team and an NRL team. Um, you know, they're ready-made. You put them straight in. I, I can't see it not working, to be honest with you. But the only thing that worries me is, like, and they've they've kind of sorted this out through the Queensland Cup. You want, you want there to be the right facilities in PNG and... You know, you want the club to be as stable as possible, and that's why bringing them through the Queensland Cup's been a really good idea. And they're doing a similar thing with uh, a Fijian team in the New South Wales Cup, and I think that that will lead to a, a Fijian team in the next probably 15 years or so. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we. this is what England should have been doing with all those teams in Europe around them, is trying to find ways to let those nations infiltrate into their major competition. So you start building stronger, better nations around you to help strengthen your local competition. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's like the promotion and relegation, but without the relegation threat. Yeah. And, you know, you give if you give a team... We saw it with the Toronto Wolfpack. You know, let a team build up. Let a team be able to you know, start off with just getting the basics right at the lower level and then let them build up as they need to and as they progress naturally. Um, that's the way to do it. That's exactly it. Um, there's more to this email. He says, uh, again, thanks for the many years, and he says two decades of forum fun and thanks for the podcast. I listen to them the day they come out. And he says, P.S., I grew up in Balmain and I'm a mad Tigers fan, so I agree with pretty much all of Andrew's Tigers rants, being a born and bred Balmain local who moved to Newcastle two years ago. He said, I have never really been able to accept the merger. Don't get me wrong. My weeks resolved around watching the top. My weeks revolve around watching the Tigers. And while I agree, I agree the NRL doesn't have a place for Balmain these days. The way it was sold was all bullshit. At the, <clears throat> excuse me, at the same time, the NRL doesn't have a place for four teams in Western Sydney. Anyway, that's another topic. P.S. The local league up here in Newcastle is very solid. If you if you are ever in the Newcastle slash Maitland area, I'd recommend trying to catch a game. Peace, Ed. But then he sent a second email. Well, this is, I'll, this. I'll let you get your breath because I was going to say the, the Newcastle competition has forever been a very strong competition. I mean, look at the mm. number of players that come out of it. Mm. Um, and even having the the Knights in the NRL <clears throat> hasn't hasn't weakened the local comp. No. It still produces great talent on a regular basis. Um, so, yeah, it, it is brilliant up there. Um, and with a fraction of the population of places like Brisbane have got. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he says, oh, and tell Andrew the other day I was in Rebel buying our 20th mini league ball, because he loses so many, for my two girls who they're born to. 
Uh, I looked down and had a choice, a choice of a Tigers ball or a Newcastle ball, <laughs> and all the others. And I thought long and hard about it and said, "Fuck it." I got her the Newcastle ball. I just couldn't force her to support such a badly managed <laughs> slash disappointing team that seems to have no end goal. No way do I want her to go through the despair that I've that I get so being Tigers. He support. gets it. He gets yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> the acceptance of failure with the West Tigers and its fan base is so entrenched now. I don't want her to be part of it. At least Newcastle have a true soul and make changes when required in an attempt to make the eight. While not always working, they still have a soul piece. <laughs> and they do every now and then appear in the finals. Yes, that's true. That's true. That would be cool eh, to be in the finals. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, that, that was an epic, epic, epic email, Ed. Thank you so much for that. And yeah, thanks, thanks for, for Thanks for being a follower and supporter of me and the podcast and everything we do here. Absolutely. Yeah, that, um, I, I think we're probably going to mention in a future history episode, but yeah, the, the merger between Bowman and West was a bit of a, a hard sell. Yeah. But West, West knew very early on, you know, mid, mid nineties, we discussed that already in a few of those episodes that they had to merge or, or die. Yeah. Um, Balmain were told that they could survive for a little bit, but not very long. Yeah. So I can't remember what it was. I've got a feeling it might have been three to five years was how long they were told they might survive for. And so it was suggested then that they should find someone to merge with or they may end up, you know, dying anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of what happened is that they were every merger option that both sides were looking at were were clear takeovers of the clubs, and so they went into this half-ass, you know, joint forces so that neither side takes over. It'll be fifty-fifty. It's just been fucking balls up ever since. Yeah, and it, it's been uh, with three blips on the radar in twenty-one years. Yeah, and it, it it's been um, it, it was a way for them to survive and, and to get a cash injection and still have some connection to the top grade. And as you say, like the the other the other merger in the West uh, in the St George Illawarra Dragons, St George basically took over, and yeah. you know you you can say there have been positives and negatives about that merger as well, but yeah, the West Tigers one I think Ed summed it up great. There's been a real lack of direction, and a lack of focus, and no plan. Like it, it just seems they just float along. And if they luck into having success, I mean, they, they've got, you know, they built their success around basically a once-in-a-generation player in Benji Marshall. And, you know, you don't get players like that coming to your club very often at all. And, you know, that can't be the plan. No, nah, it's there's still a lot of mindset from both clubs in the 90s in there. And... The, the drifting along season to season is a very Balmain mindset. Mm. And the fans just completely accepting the fact that they're just going to be completely shit all the time is a Western Suburbs mindset. Mm. So it's good that the fans have been able to, to merge their mindsets. I mean, the fans <laughs> have embraced the West Tigers culture better than the actual club has. But no one who's actually running the club is thinking about building the side long term. 
Mm. We've, we've got Michael Maguire at the moment, who's the first coach we've seen in a long time, who's starting to work on that um, problem he's had. And you're going to hear a lot about him being, you know, a lot of question marks over whether he should get a contract extension shit like that this year because, you know, the Tigers probably won't make the finals again this year. I hope hope I'm wrong, but, you know, I can't say that they've done enough with their roster to to genuinely challenge for the top eight this year. Yeah. Um, but he got in there at a time when the salary cap at the club and a lot of contracts were all long-term and a lot of players who were fringe first graders were tying up huge chunks of the salary cap. So it's not until the end of this year that he's almost rid the club of all of that, which means next year is going to be his first genuine year with basically the squad he wants. Yeah. And you're looking at, what, his third year in the club? So it's crazy. It really crazy. is. That's how messy they were. That's the thing. A lot of people talked about the mess that the Bulldogs club was in with their salary cap and, and the like. Everyone glazed over at the Tigers and their cap management because it was dire and has been for a long time. Well, I mean, I guess the Bulldog situation, like if you took that out of the league, people would be, that would be the West Tigers role. Everyone would be saying their salary cap's a mess. But it's just the fact that the Bulldog salary cap situation was, uh, like it's hard to overstate how terrible uh, that situation was. Um, You know, it's crazy to think that they put together a terrible team long-term and managed to have the salary cap implications that they had. Like, and they're still dealing with them. And I think without that situation at the the Bulldogs, everyone would be focused on the Tigers and how bad their situation's been. They haven't broken the salary cap laws, but no. their salary cap use has been terrible. And always has been. Yeah. Utterly diabolical. Well, while we're just on the Tigers, um, there's an article on Fox Sports 2 that says, Tigers reveal new look halves. Mm-hmm. You're clicking the story that, that doesn't reveal anything. Nothing at all. It just says the Tigers will have new halves for the upcoming trial match because Moses and Boyce got a hamstring injury. But it shows all the team's lineups for the trial match this week, except the Tigers team lineup. So it doesn't actually reveal anything. No one's revealed anything. So I don't know why they put the word reveal there. That's some more good news by Fox Sports. It's fantastic. <laughs> I saw some somebody wrote an article on man, I should bring up the website. It might have it might have been nothing but league. Um I saw it on Twitter. I think it was nothing but league, but I I could be wrong about that. And they were saying that there should be knockout comp once again instead of the trial matches. And, you know, the, the, we've had this debate about five different times over the years. Um, and we've tried it both ways. We just have a bunch of basically exhibition games, which are trial games, and, or we have a, a set competition. And the problem with the set competition is you don't get a chance to do all of the things you need to do in the preseason. So a lot of teams just want to get some kilometers into the legs of players. So... They'll name, um, they'll name like twenty five players, and they'll have an unlimited interchanges. Sometimes they'll have, you know, one team for the first half and a different, completely different team for the second half. We've seen that before. Sometimes they'll run out players that they just want to see if they're, you know, where they're at in terms of their development, 
uh, they don't necessarily think of them as first graders. In the preseason, you need to have that flexibility. And the problem with having a knockout comp in the first, you know, is your first competition in the preseason is that it kind of restricts your flexibility to do those sort of things. Um, so that's why we we shouldn't have a knockout comp in the preseason. It just needs to be let teams go out, do all the things that they want to do. I think there was one year where might have been the Broncos where I think they played like three different halves, which I know that doesn't make sense, but like three 40-minute segments of football against two different low-grade teams. You've got to let them have that flexibility, and you can't really do that if you've got a knockout competition. Yeah, I think I think the days of having knockout competitions and midweek cups, stuff like that, are, are, they, they belong in the past. Yeah, I agree. Um, you you got players at them. Look, the only way you're going to make it work, okay, so that the players aren't complaining about burnout and stuff like that, is you have to shorten the premiership season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you were to shorten it by four weeks and make up the four games in a knockout competition, something like that, it may be workable then. But at what at what purpose? Yeah, and the problem is too that, like. Obviously, in a knockout competition, you're cutting the number of participants in half every single round. And so very quickly, you end up with a lot of teams sitting out not doing anything. Mm. So it just doesn't work. I think the only way you'd make it work is trial games only. And you'd make it so that there'd be, I don't know, Two or three weeks of trial games, okay, just like any, just like they'd always do, but only against other NRL clubs, and just have a normal ladder, okay. And whoever's on the top of that ladder, you don't need a final. Whoever's on the top of that ladder, after the three weeks of trials games, they can be awarded one of our old trophies, like the City Cup or something like that, or you know, the KB Trophy or whatever it is. Yeah, they, you just order them, just dish out one of those. And if you if you really want to have something where you dish out some sort of prize, something like that, that's the way to do it. That way you're not actually impacting on their pre-season preparation, but you're throwing a trinket out there anyway. So I, I think the way they do it now is, is the way to go because... Well, I mean, that's all I'm suggesting is we do exactly the way they're doing it now. You just yeah. make a ladder and give the team that's got the best pre-season record a trophy because it's not going to mean anything. There's no money going with it. It's just a trinket. And that, but then we end up being like England, where everyone gets a trophy, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm only saying this because it might be a chance for the Tigers to get something. <laughs> don't ruin it. Don't don't burn down my world. <laughs> the, yeah, I'm t- like the only the only time I would want to see a knockout competition is if we had a new World Club Challenge, and I've talked about my idea of a World Club Challenge, where you basically get the best club side from all of the nations. So you'd have the Warriors represent New Zealand. You'd have, you know, the top-placed Australian team in the NRL. You'd have the top-placed English team in Super League. You'd have the Catalan Dragons, you know, teams like that. And you'd put them all in a competition and you'd just have a knockout competition for the World Club Challenge, which goes over the course of a month or something. But, you know, I would put that in place in a different international rugby league calendar as well and because it you know you are going to take up a month of of football time 
Uh, yeah, there's an easy, easy way to deal with that. that too, I think, and that is any time that the NRL or Super, Super League clubs got to play each other, mm-hmm. just take their result from earlier in the Super League season. That's one less game or two less games here and there and just bang, move on. What do you mean earlier in the se- like? So if the Broncos have got to play the Warriors and Catalan's got to play, say, oh, yeah. Leeds, yeah. just just take their like, round five game, whatever it was, whatever the result was, that is, bang. That's also your result in the World Club Challenge. You move on. And so it's one less game those teams have got to play. Yeah, or that like the other thing that I I think would work well also is if you said, look, the the top Super League team and the top uh, like and you could find the top Super League team by that the exact same method you said, and you could find the top NRL team and it, keep in mind it'd be the New Zealand Warriors versus an Australian team, you find the top out of those two um, in in the regular season, they are straight to the semifinals of the knockout competition. And so you you are only taking up the time of NRL teams for, say, the last three rounds at most because you're still going to have those losers. The losers of those games will have to still play before that. Um, I think yeah, that... Actually- I was going to say, an easy way is just make the Australian, the the NRL teams, just make them play the Super League teams first because then you'll get back down to just normal NRL game at the final. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah, you say that, but you know I'm right. <laughs> yeah, I know you're right. But, it, like, I think a World Club challenge like that would be super interesting. I would love to watch it. And, like, it, it's over really quickly as well. And I think that it would also mix up the Rugby League um, world a little bit, which I, I think any time that you can get that cross pollination of competitions and nations and stuff, it's always a good thing. Well, and maybe, I, actually, like, well, maybe this is something that the team should look at: is instead of I, I, I quite like your idea, but maybe as a pre-step to getting there, every NRL team should play one trial game against a Super League or challenge, you know, championship team because obviously they've got less Super League teams. Just do one of those every preseason. Yeah, but then how do you do with the travel with that? Well, the English can't afford it, so, you know, we head over there. Yeah, and who wants to go to England right now? Right now, you don't want to go there. Yeah. You know, you've got three or four years before they get back down to zero cases, so, you know, that's you know, enough time to start doing some promo for it and get ready for it. Apparently, the the vaccination process over there is going tremendously well. The numbers are coming down pretty fast. Yeah. Which is great to hear. It is. That's that's something positive. I was hearing some uh, information about the COVID vaccines today on a podcast, and there was like, you know, how you hear effect, like if uh, like some of the COVID vaccines are effective for sixty percent of people, or sixty percent effective is the words that they use. All right. But what they what they leave out of that is that it might stop you getting COVID. 60% of the time, but it stops you going to hospital. Like it's such a greatly increased rate and it stops you dying at an even phenomenally increased rate. So if you hear somebody saying, oh, this is only 60% effective, don't let that make you think that, oh, well, there's a 40% chance I could die of COVID. It's not like that. And that's something that we're not hearing about with these COVID vaccines at the moment for some reason is how effective they actually are being they're really really working so just be careful about you know because there's a lot of misinformation 
out about stuff like that for some reason at the moment. Oh, yes. I I can understand why people don't want to trust the media completely. Um, but yeah, I heard that today and was was really happy to hear that. Now, some other news. Mm-hmm. The Titan salary cap is being investigated over the payment of a $10,000 sum towards a security system at the Gold Coast property where David Fafita was cautioned by police. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't understand how this works. So the the club paid for a ten thousand dollars security system. Yeah, the Gold Coast Club are now being probed by the NRL after a report in the Courier Mail claimed that they paid the five figure sum to owners of a property where Fafita trespassed on December twenty seven last year. That's fair enough, actually. It's weird that they had to pay ten grand to, uh, you know, make it go away. Oh, boy. I mean, I don't think anything's going to come of this. No, no. But it's just, that's just rugby league, that is. Yeah, like if I was the club, like, and I'm paying him a million bucks a year, I say, David, you got to pay this money. Yeah, I think that's all they're going to do. Yeah. It's not like he can't afford it. Exactly. I wouldn't be paying it as a club. Yeah. Um, this is the the Broncos are apparently bringing in some some business tycoon to try and lure Cameron Smith to the Broncos. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's supposed to work because there's a thing called the salary cap. Yeah, well, yeah, that... they have made room though. They did they did move on Andrew McCulloch, so you know. Shh, <laughs> Remember when they had an issue, a potential issue with the Broncos salary cap? and it involved a former player that was working as part of the club, and he just quit. So there was no way they could talk to him. Was that Andrew G? I wasn't going to name his name, Andrew. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. There you um, go, I'm safe now. No, yeah. I, I think that was the alleged rumour. It was, it, was, it was Andrew G, and so they, in order for him to get around it all, he just quit. And the owner was gone... Oh, what do we do now? Yeah, it was an interesting one. And then they just walked away, and that was it. went, fuck that. Imagine if that's how all all crimes went. (laughs) Someone just said, wasn't me, and just quits his job and walks away, and they go, oh, we had him too. Damn. (laughs) Sit through our fingers. Imagine that. that (laughs) Whoever it is that's investigating, they sit down and they have a very stern interview. Like they say, now we're going to, you know... We've, we think we've found these irregularities and stuff. And you go, right, okay. I quit and they go, ah, fuck, we well, had him. Well, we will uh, get out of your hair then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for getting in your way. <laughs> yeah, Please it's a weird us. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a weird one. Now, there is a, a big story today. Mm-hmm. Um. NRL club bosses will ask about private equity during talks with the IRL Commission tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an article in The Australian written by Brett Reid. So apparently what's going to happen, or not what's going to happen, apparently the situation is the NRL was looking at a private equity 
business to come in and buy a small minority share in the NRL yeah. in return for several hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Commissioner Gary Weiss, the uh, the legend with the watches, mm-hmm. the best commissioner, he was looking into this whole thing and he's, he was very, very apprehensive about selling any shares of the NRL to anyone. He wanted to keep it all in-house. Yeah. Um, now, some of the talk is that of this, I mean, the, the rumoured number is $600 million from selling to a private equity mob. And part of that money would then go to, obviously, the 16 NRL clubs, and a big chunk of it would go to buying a majority um, controlling share of the English Super League. Yes, this again. Yeah. Um, and so we're at a situation where tomorrow, I dare say, all the clubs and Peter Vlandes are going to sit together. They're going to discuss this as well as, you know, th- th- there's also talk that a Brisbane team is going to come into the comp in 2023, another one. Uh, yeah. About funding that as well. I actually believe the NRL, they might have announced that they're going to make an announcement in July about that. Correct. It says he, according to Brett Reid, as it stands, it is a race of three. The Brisbane Jets are believed to be running a distant third behind the Brisbane Firehawks and the Redcliffe Dolphins. Yeah. Now, I think, I wouldn't be surprised if Redcliffe are the front runner purely because they're, you know, they're already operating. They've got their own venue. Not that they'd probably play out of it, but they do have one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe financially they're, they're pretty solid already. Mm-hmm. They're not an NRL club solid, but, you know, they're doing pretty damn well for a team that's not in the NRL. So they're probably looking at that going, you know what, they're doing all the right things already. And it would be because of the recluse on the northern side of Brisbane, it's mm-hmm. a gateway to the Sunshine Coast and that massive area of the central central Queensland coastline, yeah, which is basically untouched. You know, mm-hmm. the Cowboys in Townsville are more central north. So I think that's kind of what they're looking at. Um, the Firehawks surprised me that they're ahead of the Jets. I would have thought the Jets were a bit higher up given that the, the Jets – Formerly the Brisbane Bombers have been around and trying to get in for quite a while now, so they've got a pretty strong case, and I'm sure they've built up plenty of commercial investors and mm-hmm. all sort of thing as well. Um, the Fox seem to be something that's just come out of nowhere, and apparently, according to this, they're ahead of the Jets as well. So who knows? I think we'll see because obviously it's a a, a big prize. I think that we're going to see a lot of maneuvering and and you know publicity moves and things like that in regards to all of the bids like i i I wouldn't be shocked if you got depending on who was reporting and i'm not saying the reports are wrong but depending on who the reporting's from that could be completely changed in who's in front and why um because like it's a big big prize it is, and I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. A poser, I'll put it. The new team has been announced to being entered into the comp in 2023. Mm-hmm. Nine has only signed a deal with the NRL of broadcasting rights till the end of 2022. Yeah. Do you, 
this is a skeptic in me, okay? Mm-hmm. I wonder if Peter Volandis decided to bring in a team in 2023 in Brisbane, a market that Nine has been demanding the NRL chases. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he put them there in the hope that the NRL will get more money out of Channel 9 in the next TV rights negotiation to make up for the money that he threw away in the renegotiation he did last year. Yeah. Which cost us money after the backlash he caught from that from fans, not from the media. They fucking mm. loved him. They loved it, yeah. It's funny when you save them tens of millions of dollars, how much they approve of that move. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wonder if he's trying to save a bit of face there and make a bit of money back. Well, like, this is a move that the NRL's had to make for, look, two decades now, at the very least. And I just think that it's going to be... The interesting thing for me is we've always needed that second team. We've always needed that football being played in Brisbane every week. And... You know, obviously, as a free-to-air broadcaster, being able to give uh, local content that's relative to that area is very important. But you don't add an extra game by adding one extra team. You add the extra game by adding two. So I wonder if they will announce this Brisbane team in July and then really quickly say, and we're bringing in another team, and that's open. I think it would make the the expansion process a lot less busy if they do it that way. And where would they be expanding to, given it seems like they've gone completely cold on Perth? Yeah, like it, it really does. And I don't know why Perth should have a team right now. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know where that other team would be. I wonder if you'd have a, a second New Zealand team, which is another place where we should have had a team there already for like the last 10 years, a second team. Um, you know, where else do you put a team? I, I, I'm not really sure, especially if Perth is out of the question. I wonder if they're looking at Adelaide. Um, you know, you've got smaller travel costs. It's it's a different time zone, but not too different. Uh, you know, they're only half an hour different to us in on the East Coast. Maybe, you know, maybe they do look at the PNG side because, that, as we said, that's just easy. You just bring them straight in. Um, who knows? Yeah, I, Perth just seems to make so much sense. Mm. Um, maybe they're just worried because, you know, a, a former player has been involved with that process a little bit and he's he's not very good when it comes to investment ideas. How dare you? We'll just uh, move on from that. <laughs> um, this talk about buying a controlling share of the Super League doesn't seem to be going away. Yeah, and the thing that worries me is that Super League is talking about giving the controlling interest back to the Rugby Football League for nothing, which well, I know that sounds doesn't sound like Super League to give away <laughs> something important for absolutely nothing, but... Believe it or not, it could be on the cards. That's and this insane. Is a, this is a process that has happened on and off again with Super League, and that's why I wouldn't invest a, a dollar in running Super League because you just get these clubs that they're like they were they're so wishy washy and they'll chop and change depending on how they feel from year to year. 
you know, one year they're like, oh yeah, we'll get super, uh, we'll have the rugby football league controlling us, and then the next they're like, you know what, we can go ourselves. Um, one thing I do know is that the NRL didn't spend seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars <laughs> to try and find a private equity investor. Um, and the other thing that I find weird is that you would give up controlling interest, or not even controlling interest, but an interest in your own competition so that you can buy a controlling interest in another one. That doesn't really make sense to me. No, it's especially especially when the other one is not very financially viable. Yeah. Um, and the problem they're going to have with this is I think even if the NRL were dead keen on, on this move of buying a controlling share in the Super League, they will have not only 16 NRL teams to convince, but 17, possibly 18. Mm-hmm. And it would actually, I would suggest, it would potentially take money away from those clubs because they'd have to share it with some of the Super League clubs and the running of that. Yeah. You know, that's not generating much income. I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Say so you've got this block of money and you can invest it in a controlling interest in a competition. Would you invest it in Super League or would you invest it in Australian Rugby Union? I would invest it in Australian soccer. Really? Why? Because soccer's not going anywhere, is it? I mean, think of how That's crap soccer has soccer been in Australia, Australia for a long time. Soccer in this country has been a dog's breakfast for a long time, yet it's still going and it's, it's slowly gaining popularity. I'd, I'd, it's either that or the NBL. Yeah, look, the NBL. I have a feeling the NBL has had some investment from the NBA. Not oh, too. It, it's it more than certainly has, and they're getting. They've got some good, very intelligent deals with the NBA. Um, I, I, I don't. I think that's if if the NRL wants to start spending money in other sports, that's where I'd be looking. I wouldn't be looking at rugby union because, um. I don't to start as I I don't think rugby union would take the money anyway. No. And I think you'd probably need to spend more money on Australian rugby union than you'd need to spend on English Super League. I I don't think you would, hey. I think you would have to spend way more in Super League because in Australia you've got a lot of the You've got a lot of the infrastructure already there in your rugby league competitions, right? And I think that you would be able to generate a little bit of international revenue and just get your foot in the door in certain areas. I I think it would be a real move that, I, I don't know, I think it could be interesting. It would be hard to convince everyone to do it, well, absolutely everyone. Herein lies the problem, though. Given the crowd figures that you see for rugby union games, think yeah. the super whatever number it is now, yeah, and their test matches, mm-hmm. how many of those are going to be alienated because rugby league now owns their game? Trust me, it'll be a shit ton. And that's it, the problem, well, is that yeah. they'll lose so much gate takings from it. Yeah. And they're not making much money now. To lose even more of that money, it just means that the, the NRL will just be burning cash just to keep that comp alive. And I think they'd be burning cash faster trying to keep rugby union alive because you're not going to get the fans back when they are born to hate you. 
whereas they've got an easier task of trying to recoup some of that money if they buy into Super League, where at least it's rugby league owning rugby league there. See, I'd, if I was doing the investment right, here's the way I sell it. You're playing the long game, okay? You, you've got a chance to be the rugby you've got a chance to be the governing body of rugby in Australia. And I use the word rugby as both codes. Um, you've got a chance to get your hand on the wheel with Australian Rugby Union. You've got a chance to forge a very close relationship with New Zealand Rugby Union. And I think that through that relationship, you might be able to influence some things in Rugby Union, such as rule changes, Right now, rugby union is very quickly come to the realization that they've got to change some of their rules because the game is an absolute bludger to watch. But you've got many different camps in in terms of like in Europe they see it more as a kicking game. It's not so much a running game. In this part of the world, it's it's a running game. You know, I think that if you invested in Australian rugby union and all of a sudden in New Zealand rugby union is now dealing with the NRL directly when it comes to competitions and, and rules and what are we doing, what direction are we going in this part of the world. I think that it would be a, playing the long game if you're the NRL to look at that and say, that seems like a really good long-term strategy if we're looking at Rugby union is eventually going to change some rules to become more like us. We don't want to be in a situation where we don't have any investment, and rugby union says, "Look, we're going to we're going to thirteen players, and we're changing the breakdown to however that would be." It doesn't have to be a play the ball, but I could just see where rugby union could change the rules enough where all of a sudden it's almost rugby league and and rugby league is you know all of a sudden competing with almost a version of itself does that make sense i, I see what you're getting at mm. i don't see how this helps rugby league because you're helping another code get better I, I understand what you mean right but what if that other code in australia is yourself because you own part of rugby union Does Does that this make... is, so this is kind of like a brainwashing exercise. <laughs> you make that sound like a bad thing, all right? <laughs> you make that sound like... But yes. <laughs> yes, it is completely. I, I, I like the concept. Cause I, I, that's, that's, that would be the long game. That would be what I would do. The way I sell it to Rugby Union is, li listen... You're broke. You got no money. You're on friggin' Stan. Who the watches Stan? The problem, the problem with your grand idea, yes, is there's two big differences between rugby league and rugby union, and that is in rugby union, the international board is quite flush with cash and quite powerful. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite in rugby league. So while the NRL would be able to say, you know, we can buy Australian Rugby Union, all of it. Mm -hmm. The IRB would likely say, <laughs> fat fucking chance. But 
I, like I don't think they'd have a choice. I don't think that. I no, think. I, if, I think the IR, the IRB would find a way to fund Australian Rugby Union to keep it separate from Rugby League as much as they could because they despise league and there's no way they would have league investing any money whatsoever and even if they need it. So okay, we'll sense, you know, sell that to the Australian Rugby Union. Say, no. look, let's talk about this. Okay. I, I sit down and I say, let's talk about this for real. You've got no money. We can. We will take a controlling interest in you. We will run you. We will make you run better. Look at what we do in rugby league. We're bigger than you. We've got more money than you. We've got better infrastructure than you. We've got better players than you. We've got better junior bases than you. More people watch us than you. We've got a bigger TV still than you. We could make you better. There's no doubt about that. Don't know it'll work. Worst Two case words. scenario, the IRB or whatever the fuck they call themselves this week, they step in and they invest money in you because we're thinking about doing it. That's right. Either way, rugby union gets a foot up, don't they? See, I I can't imagine that all of the international competitions around the world are going to say, you know what we should do? We should invest money in rugby union in Australia because ah, of rugby league and make Australia financially stronger at I think, their expense. I think what they would do is they would invest money in competitions that would help Australia become stronger again and more attractive to the Australian audience as well. Because when it was when the game was waning in the mid-90s, <clears> sure, Rugby League was going through the whole Super League war and stuff like that, but that was exactly the same time that Rugby Union went, you know what, they're sitting ducks at the moment. We need something that's exciting, that's going to get people's attention. And they went, Super Rugby. And boom, the first few years, that was fucking massive. And they were making huge money out of it. People don't give a shit about it anymore. So that's all Rugby Union needs to do is just come and say, you know, we're going to come up with some fancy new great idea for Australian Rugby Union. We'll be able to pump money into it. It'll generate some income. We'll get some sponsors in, blah, 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 all sort of crap. And that's what they'll do to try and hang on to it. But I was going to say, to make your idea work, Mm -hmm. two words, shelf company. So to get around IRB getting worried about Rugby League owner, just form a shelf company off in the Bahamas. Call it World Rugby Union. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then Rugby League pumps their money into that. And they put some, put Michael O'Connor in charge of it and say, Michael, can you get Rugby Union to. Michael you know, O'Connor cra- crawls through the window and says, I heard you were looking for me. Exactly. He's like, that's how he does business. He, he likes sneaking through small holes. Um, <laughs> so you get him over there and he can, he can work on behalf of that. That way they're using NRL money. Mm hmm. To control rugby union, the IRB goes, "Oh, it's a rugby union guy doing it. That's fine. That's how you do it." I, I like my idea better. No, it's, it's your idea. I'm just trying to figure. I'm just trying to show you how you do it financially, so the IRB doesn't get pissy and start trying to change shit. That way, you can still do what you want. You've just got to move your money somewhere else instead of going direct from point A to point B. It's just got to go to point B, then to point C. I think the New Zealand Rugby Union would love to be dealing with the behemoth that is the NRL on 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 things. I really do. I, I, I think that they would love to have a partner in crime, somebody that can, you know, that has the financial muscle and the clout to back some of the things they would like to see happen in the game. They probably would. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's the way to go. And this isn't to help Rugby Union. This is to end it. I'm thinking the long game. 
a long game. They should just go in and just buy, buy all their star players. Yeah, you know, it worked in 1909 almost. So, true, but that's the short. That's the short game, Andrew. I'm the thinking game, long term. I'm 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 planting the virus. You know, <laughs> I, I'm I'm investing a little bit of money on the side in Australian Rugby Union and the virus. I'm planting the virus. You know, we've got a prime minister at the moment who. Um, proudly Sprooks before he became Prime Minister. He was a rah-rah fan. Mm-hmm. But the minute he became PM, he's, he realised he's got to get in touch with the workers, so he started carrying around NRL gear. Because mm-hmm. Rugby League has long had that image of being, you know, for the working class person. Yeah. Whether that's still true today is another discussion. Mm-hmm. But um, he made that switch. So how's about we put him on the spot and say, Man, you've got to pick one. Which one are you going to support, the Working Men's Rugby League or the, you know, the university bloody coffee-nosed rah-rah people? Make him pick one. Mm-hmm. And so, then we banned the other sport. We, yeah, I mean, why not? We'll just say, you know what, no more funding for one, you got to fund the other one. I'm up for that. <laughs> Put him on the spot. You know what? Because if he doesn't do it, there's an opposition leader, and we know which way he swings when it comes to footy codes. Do we? Yeah, he's a ma- Albo's a massive South Sydney fan, always has been. Oh, is he? Yeah. He's about to get ousted anyway. Well, this is if we, we need the rugby wars de- debate in Parliament to keep him in there so we can get rugby league. Yeah. Who does Penny Wong support? Uh, I don't know. Where does she live? I've got no idea. See, it'll be it'll be whoever is in her electorate. Yeah, f- find out where, where where Penny Wong is from. Oh, she's from South Australia. Oh, she, she went. She's she'll an have Adelaide Rams fan. Yeah, she'll have no fucking idea what any of this is. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we could just sell the Adelaide Rams to her. Yeah, maybe. Why don't we get Penny Wong to invest in rugby league, right? She comes in as the investor, and then she says, but I want the Adelaide Rams back. That could work. Yeah. I think we're onto something here. We're solving problems here. I'm planting the disease in rugby union. <laughs> You've got to be on board with that. Uh, I am. I'm just – I'd like to make sure that all possible – Issues are fleshed out before you dive in. I, I get that. Yeah, because we don't want to be we don't want to be hemorrhaging funds anywhere. In That's this true. Paper. That that was an interesting thing about Brent Reed's article is that it said I believe the NRL um, basically has a hundred and twenty million bucks in the bank. Uh, let me. Yeah, see. and that that was because. I th- and I think he said in there too that it didn't include the money, like sponsorship and whatever else money that came from Origin because that came after November. Um, so I think all their accounts are done to October 31 because November okay. 1 is when they start their next year. Yeah. And so because Origin was in November, it doesn't include that money for last year. It'll be in this year's figures. So yes. it should yeah. be a big boost this year because they'll have essentially two State of Origin series in one season. Yeah, and look, you start putting that much money in the bank. I mean, even the interest on that much money, you start to get to a point where you could just fund a, a big chunk of a team just through the interest that you're accruing on that much money. Exactly. I wonder how they invest that sort of money. 
Bitcoin. <laughs> it's all Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Can you yeah. imagine if they come out, right? Imagine if they come out it, 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 like after the financial year and, and the AGMs and all that, and they say, listen, we haven't said anything, but we invested in Bitcoin early on. We now have $20 trillion <laughs> in Bitcoin. We've just decided to buy the USA. Yeah. <laughs> we've we've gone in there, destroyed their constitution, and we've given a new one there. It just says, <laughs> the first, first note in the constitution, rugby league is the only sport. It'd have to be the 13th Amendment, wouldn't it? No, just the First Amendment. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck free speech. Yeah. Yeah. Just, we don't have it in ours, so why should they have it in theirs? Just completely rip it up, start all over again. Who needs free speech? Sounds dangerous to me. It's bad. Yeah. You don't want that. We need protected. Um, Protecting from ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This has been an interesting conversation. We didn't think we were going to go down this rabbit hole. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, like, that, that money that the NRL has in the bank, it's obviously good to have. It's good to have it for a rainy day. But I wonder if the NRL starts to look to invest some of that money in things like property, and I'm not talking about stadiums, <laughs> but in, in property and things like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's... It's not a bad idea. You want to try and invest in something where you get some return on it on mm. a regular basis. So it might be shares on something else. So, because it'd be pretty handy to be getting a return on shares every July when your when your current financial years run October to November, or sorry, yeah. November to October. Yeah, good to get a little bit of extra cash coming in. Yeah, three quarters of the way through the season. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, it, I would personally, and look, I get, I guess the NRL is run differently, but me personally, I would look at that much money and be like, this needs to work for the game. Yeah. Or, or you'd probably look at that money and go, think of all of the Iron Man helmets I could buy with that. Uh, I've got all the good ones. <laughs> yeah, but now you could have all of them. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, I do. <laughs> no, 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 not just the good ones. I'm talking about every single one ever produced. I, I'm telling you, I do. I actually do. I saw one at Kmart. Yeah, I don't have the shit ones. No, oh, you can own the shit ones as well. I got a Mark. I got a Mark Five, which opens up really cool. I've got the Mark. What's I got the Mark? I think forty six, which is very cool. I like the design of that one. And I've got the Mark eighty five, which is the last Iron Man helmet. Spoiler alert. Um, so yeah, I've got the good ones. I don't know what you were talking about then. That's all right. Somebody will. <laughs> um, so are we, do you reckon we're done for the news there? It's been a pretty good chat. Yeah, yeah, I think we are. It's been it's been a good episode. It has. We've had a review. Oh, tell me about the review. Come from Ian. Well, he's got a very unfortunate surname on, on the one he's got here. His name is Ian Hoare. Ian Hoare. H-O-R. I knew a whore once. <laughs> Spelt the exact same way. Does it say, carry on? Yeah, I just, I knew somebody named whore. Okay. I used to say, um, hey, whore, how are you? And they'd be like, I'm good. 
What do you call me by my last name? I was like, well, what else would I call you? Yeah, that's, that's what we do here. Yeah. Virgo, freak. Yeah, exactly. Two cases in point there. Um, he says, initially annoying from a British point of view, but sadly they are proven correct time and time again. Until the day of life when the Brits prove them wrong, I'll carry on listening while clenching my fists. There you go. Nothing I love more than an angry listener. <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> Anytime we can make someone, you know, get that pissed off about themselves in their country, it's been a good day. We might we might do a podcast one day. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking, you know, there's several, several years mm-hmm. before we get bored with this. So sometime in that period, we might do a podcast on when rugby league in England was good. Oh, wow. It's going to go back a long way. Yeah. So I was thinking like 60s or something like that. Yeah, history episode. 50s well, thank, or 60s. Well, thank you for that um, that nice review, Ian, and I, I hope you and the rest of your whole family are doing well. <laughs> Good man, Ian. Good man. Mm. Um, have we had any other emails? I haven't checked. I haven't checked. Wow, there's no time like the present, is there? Yeah, why not? Let's do this real time for a change, eh? And we'll mix it up. We'll do it live on air. We'll do it live. Do it live. Okay. No, no emails. <sighs> if people want to email us, right? Yeah. Go, How do I do that? That what you do is there's this thing called an internet browser. It allows you to browse the internet. You go to your internet browser, and at the top there will be a place where you can put in the address furgoandthefreak.com. You go there. You click on the can, uh, contact section, and you can send us emails directly from the contact section. That's fantastic. Mm, an email is an electronic mail. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. So, do what Freaky said. You put that into your porn machine, it'll mm-hmm. go straight to our website. Nothing naughty, so you can check it out at work, too. Yeah, take your hand off your dick, right? <laughs> That's the first thing you got to do. Actually, just swap lefty, okay? This won't take long. Remember yeah. to wash your hands. Yeah, you know, got to be COVID safe. Exactly. You don't want to catch anything from your own dick. and You don't yeah. know where that thing's been. Yeah, exactly. Dirty, dirty dick. Um, and yeah, send us an email through the website. That's the way to do it. Um, so let's do all the other stuff here. Make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. Uh, we're on YouTube, LinkedIn. What was that other one? MySpace. MySpace. We got a MySpace one. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know I say it every time, but really it is. Hopefully, we can set up an MSN Messenger account and an ICQ account so you can have a chat with us on there. What do you reckon? That would be cool, man. That takes me back. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are going to have a a tipping competition on the NRL website. Ah. We, we will give the information in the next podcast. Uh, we might even do a special little podcast that has all the information in it just for the tipping competition. So keep an ear out for that. Nice. Um, yeah, get your ears around that. Make sure you check out Freaky's Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash leaguefreak. Go mm-hmm. there, give the bloke cash. Um, last I heard, he's only down to he's, he's down to having like three or four coffees an hour, which, I mean, that's just a dire situation. So people, give me some coin. I actually was thinking today I'm drinking way too much coffee. Uh, but, uh, yeah, 
Patreon is just a, a way that you can support the websites and and uh, just if you enjoy what I do, you know, it, 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 it helps a lot. It really does. It goes towards my website costs and any uh, anything I'll need for the podcast. But if you want to help the digitization of rugby league history, not just in Australia, but all parts of the world, you've got to go to patreon.com forward slash RL project. It's the place to go to help with the digitization of rugby league history. And you know what? You get amazing things like the rugby league project annual for 2020, which you can get on the rugby league project website right now for free. For free. That's what we do. See the money you, money you give the uh, RLP patron account allows us to produce that and give that back to you for free. So you don't have to pay for it. Um, I am currently trying to find out if I can print a few copies off uh, and people can buy them at cost price. I'm not trying to make money out of those. So uh, I'm just trying to find a cheap enough and good enough printer to do that so you don't have to pay too much because obviously postage and shit. So um, stay tuned on that one. See how I go. It is the number one annual in rugby league. And dare I say it, (laughs) rugby league's new Bible. Wow, we're not religious, so we'll have to give it another name. Is What's another thing apart from the Bible? Um, yeah, what's another well-known book that's not a Bible? Yeah, this is tough. I, I've, <laughs> it could I've be got, the, I, I was going to say, it could be Rugby League's new Hansard. <laughs> Rugby League's new what? Hansard. What's that? Yeah, you've not heard of the Hansard. They're the books that they've put all of the um, all of the conversations and minutes in from from all the um, government talks and stuff in Parliament. Oh, really? Wow, yeah, that's check. fascinating. Oh, yeah, you can go there and read about all that objection, Your Honours, and all sort of shit. I don't know what the girl goes in there. Courtroom stuff. Who knows? Who knows what goes on a question time? Well, don't, don't they just yell at each other? Pretty much. Someone's yeah. writing out all the yelling. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Will the minister please shut the fuck up? Blah, 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 blah. That sort of stuff. Politicians politicians are great, as we're seeing right now. They tell you that they know everything until such time as they have to deny they knew anything. Yeah, well, when their political um, you know, career is on the line, yeah, then they don't know shit. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's a good idea or a good thing, then they know all of it. Yeah. Yeah, they're all as bad as each other. We we are we are politically anti. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're all like we we don't like politicians. We're politically agnostic. Agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That sums that up pretty well. We should start our own political party. Do you want to do that? There's an idea. He's, we're going to need a few staffers. We're going to need people from every state, so we're going to have, have someone try and get a senator in every state. Yep. So we've got, we know we've got, because uh, the hardest one would be to find someone in South Australia, so we've got Julie from South Australia. Yeah. Obviously, we've I'm got... doing Victoria, you're doing New South Wales. Yep, yep. We, so we need... need a Queenslander. Yeah, do we have a Queenslander? We could get Matthew McCarthy. He he could yeah. do Queensland. Uh, someone from the Territory, Northern Territory. Uh... Don't know anyone there. 
I can't I can't think of anyone that jumps someone, in. Someone from Western Australia. I can't, I can't from, think of anyone that jumps out there. Someone from ACT and someone from Taz. Tasmania. Yeah. They'll get all of those. Did you see some dude said that he thought that he'd found the uh, Tasmanian tiger? No. Yeah, there was a, a guy. This was really weird. It's a guy, I believe he was drinking a beer and recording a video of himself saying that he had found, he had submitted video to a museum in, in Tasmania and he believes he f- has recorded footage of three thylacines which is the Tasmanian tiger. Mm-hmm. Now, he said that it's a it looks like a breeding pair and which are a little bit ambiguous, but then there's a pup, I guess you would call it. I don't know if you'd call it anything else. And um it's that that the pup is definitely looks like a Tasmanian tiger. Um which would be interesting, but it got a lot of traction during the week and it was just based on this video. It's really weird. Have you seen the video? No. I, ah. I have not seen the video. Apparently, he submitted it straight to this, you know, museum or something like that, and they're taking a look at it. Um, you know, I feel like if somebody submitted a video, right, and you turned it on and there was a thylacine in that video, they wouldn't sit on the video. I feel like we would know pretty much immediately. Yeah, yeah. So... Stunt, you reckon? Well, this guy did. He he has said that he's seen the thylacine before, and it turned out to be bullshit. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to need to see the video. Like I say to everyone, I'm going to need to see that on video. Exactly. Yeah, maybe this is a, an idea that we can work on for a bit of promo for the show. Mm-hmm. Is that you can just go out and say, you know what, I was just wandering around, you know, Went for a little drive out towards Toon Gabby, and I swear I saw the abominable snowman. I've got a, I've got a video footage of it. I've submitted it to the local uh, museum. Trust me, I saw it out there. Or um, even better, the panther. What would you, ra- what would you, okay? Here's a question for you: What would you rather they find, the thylacine or the Penrith panther? Um, I think the thylacine. Yeah, I guess I guess it is more, you know, it's a it's a cool looking animal, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's exclusively Australian. Mm-hmm. That's or true. Even more so, it's exclusively Tasmanian, which just makes it even more obscure. Well, from memory, I think it was across all of Australia, and then dingoes helped eradicate them from mainland Australia, and that's why we call it the Tasmania tiger because we turned up and they're only in Tasmania. So this obviously leads me to the next question, and I'm sure you know what it is. Um, what do they taste like? Well, Did the bloke actually go into that? No, he didn't. Um, well, Did, you know, hang on, it's a, hang on. Did he did he see a thylacine and not try and eat it? Well, yeah, and he had video of it. I mean, oh, I know must I've, have been pissed. I know I've seen videos before where I've thought, man, I would love to taste that, but it's never been of a thylacine. My guess is. I mean, they're a marsupial, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what you would line it up with. I know, like, say, mountain lion tastes really good, but it, it wouldn't be anything like a mountain lion. Like, I just don't know. 
So yeah, I reckon it might be a little bit porkish. You reckon? Yeah. Who knows? I wonder what a thylacine smelled like, hey? I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. Maybe we should have asked this bloke before he submitted this video. We should. Imagine you say, what, what does a thylacine smell like? And he goes, peppermint. <laughs> it's like, then you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Let's ruin that for us. We don't need that I, shit. I, I bet we could get that dude on the podcast, hey? He probably be keen. Yeah. We'll should get our we people to get in that? touch with this people. Should, <laughs> should we try and do that? I can go for it. Man. But somehow try and skew the, the conversation into talking about rugby league where you can. I've had some really good interviews lately. Yeah. Imagine getting him on. Yeah, it'd be good fun. <laughs> I still I, I still would like to talk to someone that's been attacked by a large animal. Like a like a shark or a I don't know. Anything like that. Bengal cat. Yeah. You've been doing it for hundreds of episodes, mate. Do you you reckon you could... Have you ever tried to wash your cat? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that work? Yeah, I've got lots of scratches and scars all over my hands. I could imagine. Because, see, the Bengal's claw has more of a hook on it. So when it goes into your skin, it latches the fuck in. Oh, really? You literally have to grab hold of it and curl it back out and hook it. Oh, Which is not easy to do when the thing is stressed out to the max because you're trying to get into the washing machine. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that how everyone washes the cat? It was really hard when it was the the top loader too because it put its whole legs out. You couldn't quite push it down. You had to use a stick. You know, in, the spine. you know, in 2010, you could have made a really funny video where you were just putting your cat into the washing machine. But if you did that now, even as an obvious joke, everything ends. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone gets upset. Yeah, it sucks. But that would have been a funny video. That's right. Um, can I just uh, can I just say before we finish up this episode, mm-hmm. ampersand NBSP semicolon. Okay. Just fun to get that in there. Be By good the way, yeah. have we done the Manscaped ad? No. I think, think don't think we have at the end. No. You know what would be a great idea? What? To put a Manscaped ad right here, right now. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. You know, there are times in life where you face dilemmas. And there are times in life where you can make sure you never face those dilemmas again. If you go to manscaped.com, and you put in our exclusive code, which is NRL. You get 20% off and free shipping of everything on the Manscaped website. The Lawmar 3.0 is your friend because it can remove a dilemma. And that dilemma is, do I look like a Yeti downstairs? Because when it's time to go to work, and you know what I'm talking about, you want to look your best. You want to look your best and be ready to rock and roll. You want to be in game form you know what i mean and the way to do that is to go to manscape.com so go there get the lawnmower 3.0 even better get the perfect package and do yourself a favor remove a dilemma from your life be ready to rock and roll 24 7 because that's how you live like a star beautiful and as james super would always say ampersand nbsp semicolon.